Yo, San Francisco, Jay and Silent Bob are going to show you their Halloweenies. October 28th at the Castro Theater. Dress up and party down with a costume party, prizes, and a live podcast recording with Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Then, scope out the controversial thriller Red State, followed by a Q&A with writer-director Kevin Smith. Laugh, then shit your pants in suspense with a Halloween extravaganza double feature, Jay and Silent Bob Live and Red State, October 28th at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. Double-click for tickets for this and all Smodco shows at csmod.com. Yo, Solana Beach, California. Guess who's gonna get old live? Not old as in... Christ on a popsicle stick, this is boring. I'm talking about Jay and Silent Bob get old, no fuckers. Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes are coming to the Belly Up Tavern on November 22nd. Don't miss the debauchery, Iggy B. Jay and Silent Bob get old, recording their podcast live at the Belly Up Tavern in Solana Beach, California on November 22nd. Get your tickets for this and all other Smodco shows at csmod.com. Red State DVD and Blu-ray available now at coopersdell.com. Get exclusive bundle packages featuring posters, soundtracks, t-shirts, signed scripts, wardrobe used in the film, and a chance to be a guest on air with Kevin Smith via Skype. Red State DVD and Blu-ray exclusive bundles now at coopersdell.com. Smirch alert, smirch alert, motherfucker smirch alert. Go to smodcast.com slash smerchandise to get your official Jay and Silent Bob iPhone 4 cases from Casemate. Choose from three different snoogerific designs. We got soft ones and hard ones. Hey, I'm talking about the cases, bitch. All emblazoned with your favorite Smodco icons, Jay and Silent Bob. Snag your iPhone 4 case for $39.99 and protect the precious smodcast.com slash smerchandise yo Canada Jay and Silent Bob are gonna be royally mounting you December 7th in Vancouver December 8th Edmonton December 9th Calgary December 10th Saskatoon and December 11th Winnipeg their comedic maple syrup's gonna be gushing all over your timbits. How's that for a visual, eh? Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live in the Great White North. Linky links to tickets at smodcast.com slash get old in Canada. Hey, Eldborg, Iceland. On November 11th, Kevin Smith will be inside you. Kev is bringing his famous Q&A to Eldborg Main Hall, talking movies, comics, sex, taking a shit, whatever you want to ask about. Hilarity will ensue. Kevin Smith, live at the Eldborg Main Hall in Eldborg, Iceland, on November 11th. Links to tickets for this and all Smodco shows at csmod.com. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. 
Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Catch live video clips of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old and Hollywood Babylon on the Kevin Smith blog for the Huffington Post. Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. That's Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. Want early access to tickets for Smodcast Internet Radio's metric fuckton of live shows? Join Smodcast. For just $4.99 a month, you'll get CD-quality audio of every podcast you hear on Sir ad-free. It's like watching porn without having to fast-forward through that goddamn plot. You'll also get bonus video content and other badass exclusives. Smodcast. Where Smodcast goes save for pay. All the deets at Smodcast.com. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Team Jack, Episode 3. Episode one was Not Another Origin Story, a.k.a. The Fandom Menace. Episode two was Attack of the Drones. I feel like we more than exceeded expectation based on that title. <laughs> Episode three is Revenge of the... Sith. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing better. Episode three, Revenge of the Sith, Team Jack. <laughs> As always, getting the heavy lifting out of the way, I'm Jack Morrissey on Twitter, Jack underscore Morrissey. Morrissey is spelled like the singer who used to be the lead singer of the Smiths, is now out on his own. And who has a rampant uh, uh, Latin American fan base. Unbelievable, thuggy. Yeah, Latinos. Cholos love Morrissey. Cholo gangbangers love love them some ballads. And what is Morrissey if not a big old balladeer? Vegan, celibate, British balladeer. Ballad machine. <laughs> On Twitter, I'm Jack underscore Morrissey. Um, Team Jack brought to you by Kevin Smith, Matt Cohen, and the fine folks at smodcast.com. You can get all of our episodes just by clicking the Team Jack icon at the front page of smodcast.com. Or go up on iTunes, search Team Jack. We're under Film and TV. Subscribe to us. Or go, you can uh, get us right at www.tinyurl.com slash Team Jack FTW for the win. Um, and Twihards, who may have subscribed and are really only interested <laughs> in the fact that uh, both Greg Yolan, Greg Yolan and I uh, have already seen The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 many, many times in many, many different iterations. Okay. Um, you will find uh, frequently asked questions in regards to Breaking Dawn uh, up at teamjackftw.blogspot.com, which is run by the original Team Jack, 18 Lovely Ladies, uh, 
All of whom are Jack Jack's girlfriends. Who stalk my... And who are they're my Jack. harem. They're all named Jack. Who uh, stalk my Twitter feed and um, led to sort of the creation of Team Jack, which in turn led to, uh, I don't know, teamjackftw.blogspot.com. Anyway, um, so this is our Halloween episode. Both Greg... And I and Matt, we have no special guest star this week, so Matt Cohen, our uh, Matt is our special, Matt's barely competent engineer, mixer, fixer, fairly competent or barely competent, barely. Okay, I'll I'll say somewhere in the middle. Fairly competent and barely legal fixer, um, will sit in as our special guest star. I I would chime in from time to time. Matt, by the way, Mazel Tov on your your bar mitzvah tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Barely legal. It's my second. It's my second bar mitzvah. I'm I'm super Jewish, so we every 50, every 13 years we do another one, <laughs> just in case you got stale. And you know gets, what I mean? You get snipped every six weeks. Totally, <laughs> totally. It grows back. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's true. I it's didn't know that. That's, that's, that's a Jewish secret. That's a Jewish secret. Uh. It grows back just like the thing. Let's talk about this thing. Episode three. Awkward transitions. <laughs> yeah. Revenge of the snip. Mm, yeah. Revenge um, of the snip. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't seen the thing. The original? No, I've seen the original. Oh, okay. The original. By the time you're listening to this, oh, I yeah. I will have seen the prequel, sort of remake, but it's it's really mostly a prequel to John Carpenter's 1982 masterpiece. Uh, truly a masterpiece. True, true masterpiece, which I saw recently in a. Cast and crew reunion screening uh, at the ArcLight Hollywood, which is where Hollywood prefers to see the movies. Kurt Russell did not appear, as he is loath to appear at those sorts of events. Keith David did not appear. The guy who played Palmer appeared, (laughs) as regards the cast. One of the producers was there. Um, One of the... German Shepherds? One of the German Shepherds was still there. Bless him. No. Came out Um, in a wheelchair. (laughs) <laughs> there were various what we call below the line types who were there, all of them awesome and probably in some ways a lot more interesting than um some of the so called above the line types would have been had they been sitting there for their umpteenth Q and A session after their umpteenth uh revival screening of the thing. No, were you were you a massive fan when the first one came out, the original Carpenter? Um Were you, Greg? Here's the real question. Were you, were you, did you exist in 1982? I had just begun my existence in 1982. Here's the interesting thing I learned last night. Did you? Not for two years. I just turned 27 two days ago. Here's the interesting thing I learned last night. Everybody knows, everyone with any geek cred whatsoever knows about the summer of 82. You know, one summer, one calendar summer, one crazy summer, <laughs> one summer with my German soldier. Anyway, uh, that had an unbelievable concentration of what we know now as classics of the genre of, say, Cinefantastique, which is to say E.T., Poltergeist, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, The Dark Crystal was not out that summer, actually. Um, and the Blade Runner and the Thing, which you may or may not know, the latter two titles were released on the same Friday. 
Did what, you know that? Blade Runner and The Thing. And what, on what's the even same there? Friday. What should we see tonight? Should we see <laughs> Blade Runner or The Thing, or should we just go back and see E.T. for the seventh time? What's even which is ultimately what's what even funnier did. or more That's interesting amazing. to me about that is um I don't know about the summer of eighty two because I'm shocked I'm the summer of eighty nine it was Batman uh Back to the Future two Indiana Jones Gremlins which Indiana Jones uh Three. Temple Last, of Doom? Cru- Last Crusade was eighty nine yeah was it okay I believe so but so that was always eighty nine was the year my life began and I had never heard of eighty two being a seminal geek year that's that totally. shows just oh, how yeah. generational geeks are you totally. know what I mean totally yeah yeah. Yeah, and and Matt and I don't respect 1982 at all. No, fuck 1982. No, well, those, are, those thing, are all though. terrible when, movies. If if you're gonna if the, if we're gonna do Geek Warriors and the gang of 1982 is gonna rumble against the gang of 1989, or uh, I guess we'd call this the end of we all got back symbols shaved in our hair. We win. Uh, right no, because you've got Back to the Future two in there. I mean, yeah, you're right. Come on, dude. Let's let's even just three. go Roman numeral versus Roman numeral. Star Trek two versus Back to the Future two. Hey, I'm gonna defend Back to the Future two right now. I'll let you because that movie is fucking great, and The Wrath of Khan is very very good, and that is a nice movie for you Star Trek people <laughs> and your little world. But Back to the Future two is how better. dare you? It is so it is so good. And speaking of Star Trek, I actually prefer four because it's f- fucking it's got hump- those humpback, it's humpback whales, whales in outer space that you love. All you need and to a know: big cigar orbiting planet. Absolutely, Earth. that was the pivotal universe-ending thing. Like Someti- there are whales. Sometimes mad a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah. Sometimes humpback sometimes whales are aliens. Sometimes it's a space probe that <laughs> wants to talk to those whales again. Uh, am I the time. only one who's gonna defend the undiscovered country? Say what? <laughs> Probably. I don't. I don't even. Know. No, I, I like Rod Roddenberry. Will defend. I don't it. really know what I'm. Also, like Star Trek Two, also directed by Nicholas Meyer, and I think co-written by Nicholas Meyer. Anyway, useless trivia for the win. We were talking no, about. No, but going back to the Back thing to the Future Two. Thing. You weren't talking about Back to the Future Two, the undiscovered country. No, I was talking about Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Why do the Back to the Future movies, why, why, what, what was so great about them that they didn't have to take another title after the colon? And when I say colon, I mean symbol on a typewriter, not, well, you know. <laughs> back to the Future <laughs> 2, Back into the Future, Back to the Future 3, It's a West, colon, It's a Western. Well, I've always, you know, I've been sort of fascinated by the, the very subtle but kind of uh, kind of big difference. It's it's both subtle yet big uh, between calling something part two and just two. Right. Um, and I think that the reason that Back to the Future two and three get away with it is that it's Back to the Future part two and part three. Am I right? Oh, no. It's, no? no, it's officially two and three. It's is just it really? two and three. Yeah. Oh. And the point that I was making is that they didn't feel the need to subtitle. Sequel terminology always confused me, and that's why going, that's a perfect segue for the thing. It's literally the same fucking title. Which is the, it's actually the third ship to bear the Yeah, because Howard, Howard Hawks, Howard was, the Hawks one, right? was the first to uh, adapt for the cinema. John Campbell's short story or novella. I saw a copy there? of it at the, at the reunion behind glass. It looked neither short nor novella ish <laughs> to me, it looked a little lengthy. Called Who Goes There, yeah. which Howard Hawks uh, turned into a movie in, I think, 1951. Wouldn't it have been amazing if Carpenter called his movie Who Goes There? 
And it, it, just Ooh, like the trailer there. was the dog. Starring you know Kurt I mean? Russell and Keith Davis. Yeah, like a wacky. As opposed to the tiresome geek uh, joke, which is that the title is, in fact, legally John Carpenter's There's the, the thing. thing, right? Yeah. John Carpenter's the well, thing. Well, he's always he, John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. John Carpenter John is Carpenter's one of the Empires. last guys to really take a a, uh, a so-called possessory credit in the title. Not above the title, but technically in the title. Even when he shouldn't really possess them. John Woo did it for uh, some films, right? Would it, no American it, movies. No American movies. I'm trying to think of a... You're right, another American filmmaker Let's who think puts of another, their name... Michael Bay's Transformers. But not... I see what you're saying. It's called the possessory credit. Yeah, it's literally in the title for yeah. for Carpenter. I can't. That's a yeah. good one, man. Uh, Five. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you exactly Lord who it is. Wes Craven. Yeah, Wes Craven. Wes Craven's new nightmare. new nightmare. There you go. Um, Wes Craven's the people under the stairs. Wes Craven's. I don't know whether Shocker bore that credit or not. I could, I, have, I could have one of about a dozen did. friends in that Midnight empty chair Mystery who would know the train. answer to that. You guys eventually see, will. Did you guys see Midnight Mystery Train? You mean Midnight Meat Train. There we go. I'm sorry. You're, con- you're conflating Clive Barker with uh, Jim Jarmusch, I think. I think I am. Who directed Midnight Mystery Meat Train? It wasn't directed by Jim Jarmusch. No, but Mystery Train was. Yeah. Am I yeah. right about that? Yeah, Midnight Meat Train was directed by no one. I wasn't... Midnight Meat Train was actually directed by... Did you uh, like by it? Someone on I have not seen it. it, no, by a um, uh, extremely well thought of, I feel like, Korean director. I think you might be right on that I'll too. Let you know. Yeah. Insert sound effects of fingers. Oh, it wasn't particular. Did you see it, Greg? Fingers on keys. Did you get? Did you get a chance to see that movie? Midnight Me Train. Yeah. No. Kitamura. I might. I might. Uh, I'm gonna spoil it for everyone there. Yeah, in case Because yeah, it's, it's been out for a while now. Now the like movie is um fairly formulaic at first. It's Bradley Cooper is like a nighttime photographer who takes like gritty snapshots of prostitutes and drug addicts and you know and he goes into the subway to take like pictures of homeless people. And he starts seeing Vinnie Jones murder people on a right. subway train every right. night. And he becomes obsessed and he tracks him. And that's fine. Right. <laughs> and that's fine. It, it really is fine. Is. Now, it at is. the third act point, you find out that Vinnie Jones is killing these people because he's then feeding them to an underground race of troglodytes that predate human beings that live in the subway tunnels of New York. And that's, that's right. where it took Which the jump. Which is not dissimilar, <laughs> dissimilar from an idea I had when I lived in North Jersey and was going in and out of the city, the, so- the city as we call it on PATH trains and New Jersey transit trains. Anybody who's ever stood in the front car of one of those trains as you're pushing through a tunnel can't help but wonder about abandoned and forgotten uh, train stations, so-called mole people, who, uh, which was a term made popular in the 90s about people who live uh, in those stations. Um, well, there's an amazing documentary about that called Dark Days. Like, oh, Dark Days is so good. Where it's literally, it's a... How com- we end up here so fast? Dark it's Days. It's quick, place. quick, quick. Dark Days there. is phenomenal. It's quick. It's all horror. It's all related. We're going horror movies. So True. he's uh, jumping back to Midnight Me Train. Yeah. Um, he's feeding the, the, the fresh, freshly killed commuters to... Basically, Mole the Morlocks. People. Yes, the Morlocks. The Morlocks. They look like them. I mean, they're they're the creatures from, from the descent. They're just bald little fucking eyeless, probably yes, totally. hairless eyeless, totally, totally albinos. You nailed it. Not You've dissimilar from movie. you, Matt. Yeah, I'm, I was actually you in do the have film. Eyes That's why and I you brought do it have up. Hair, but <laughs> I was You're the kind meat of rocking that albino train. thing. Thank you. Uh, Did you like that movie? No, it wasn't very good. A lot of people do. Based on a short story from the the Books of Blood, which is a whole other thing that we'll get into eventually on this podcast, um, written by Clive Barker, 
And but by the way, the beats that you've just described are pretty much exactly the beats in the original short story. So the short story, however, being mm, short, and the movie that you saw was probably at least 88 minutes. Yeah, around there. With uh, titles. Um, they added the a little extra. They, they, they cushioned it a bit. Slow like, yeah. titles. A little, uh, a little filler. A little... A little mincemeat. I also love that when train. you see a really, really shitty like movie from the eighties on, you know, USA or something like that, and it's like, you know, all these, you know, Israeli financiers and all these people who like Golan and Globus. Yeah, exactly. Like Menachem Schmierson presents Menachem Golan. Uh, yeah, by Menachem Schmierson. Did you just make a wet hot American summer <laughs> reference? Yes, I did. Good shit, dude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we There's hope like you'll tune in again. On the planet, good, who are happy right good, now? Good boy, Tell man. Tell your friends. Uh, and and but the but the credits come super slowly in those motherfuckers because you know they were taking their time. They were going to take their credit, and not only was that the fact, they had about 72 minutes of material they were about right. to show you right i know but uh, you, you can you always know you're in for a treat when it's like three second hold slow fade on menachem schneerson's name no yeah. totally well that's the thing 80s movies it's it's tough to hold up and that's why i'm kind of afraid of what's going to happen with this thing Cause, uh, uh, with the thing prequel the prequel remake premake that's whatever right. we're calling it that's right now, do you, what are your expectations? What do you have? You heard anything? Here's what I read: one article in Sci-Fi Magazine, which is the the magazine of the, of what used to be called the Sci-Fi Channel, and which is obviously uh, owned by NBC Universal, as uh, as is the thing. So, I opened the NBC Universal magazine to read an article on the forthcoming. NBC Universal prequel, and not surprisingly, the article was fairly glowing. Um, but what I did read that I liked was that the director uh, has taken a apparently um, a very fetishistic approach toward recreating the Arctic environments, uh, Norwegian base camp sets. And probably costumes along with some of the old retro tech, uh, that was seen on screen when Carpenter was shooting his version in, I guess, 1981. Um, so I love that fact. I love the fact that I know I'm going to be able to, I'm going to get, um, We're a gonna prequel get a that's going to come right up against We're gonna get a husky. Carpenter's, uh, movie. And it's, it's, and it, and the Norwegian camp. Is going to look identical to the way it looks when uh, the members of Outpost Fifty One or Sixty One. Shit, I can't even. I don't know. Um, go visit it in Carpenter's movie, and I, I'm happy about that. What I'm less happy about is, you know, the um, the presence of, of course, the old computer generated imagery, as we've seen already in the TV spots for it. You know, uh, the days of Rob Bottin. And actual practical creature effects are no more, alas. And I, I feel like even though uh, the director and the studio have certainly tried to get the word out there that no, 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 there, there are some, um, there are still plenty of man in suit effects and you know practical makeup effects uh, in our new prequel. I think it does seem like there's a reliance on CG. 
Well, that and, and I more disturbingly again the script, total total prejudgment from everything that I've read. It's just this is basically beat for beat the same. Story, it's a way. It's a way to sort too. of remake the Carpenter film. It's a, it's a remake while being a sequel with but a it's clever a little tie a prequel, in between. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting. Kinda. Yeah, it could end up. It will probably end up being sort of a footnote to the Carpenter movie. Great. By the way, uh, if you are really obsessed with the Carpenter movie, check out the prequel to see those beautiful sets, um, very faithfully recreated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm definitely going to see it. And and I have to say, I love the one sheet. The one sheet is beautiful. Um, and I think that the tagline is as good as it's got to be, which is, it's not human yet. That's interesting. It's great. I think it's just like, yeah, I'm going to see that. Another interesting tidbit, which I had not heard from the uh, Creature Features pr- produced cast and crew reunion screening at the Arclight, was that the same copywriter or ad man who was responsible for the uh, copy on the one sheet in 1982, which was Man is the Warmest Place to Hide, was, by the way, the same guy who wrote uh, In Space No One Can Hear You Scream for oh. Alien. Wow. The exact same guy. Just kind of interesting. When was the last time, by the way, in modern movies that uh, you saw a poster or any piece of advertising art that actually had a, a, had a piece of copy that, yeah. that you remember? That's really interesting. No, you're right. Like a memorable tagline. Yeah. And I have friends who actually write. Um, I have friends who submit taglines to movie companies. Like now, like they live in Hollywood and right. they see a movie coming out. And like my buddy got on like Accidental Spy with Jackie Chan. Okay. Which was like part. He's baby- a spy. It was like by part- accident. It was like part babysitter, part something all hero or so- something huh. stupid. But you're right. When was the last time that like uh, what's the Jaws one? Um. Uh, twenty thousand. Uh, something about fear, leagues of fear. What's? Are we blanking on this? Geek? Well, Jaws two is, um, just when you thought, thought it, was it was safe, safe to go, go back, back in, the, in water. the water. But I don't remember that Jaws itself, other than that sort of classic painting, had a had a particularly memorable piece of copy, other than probably over sixty four million that it was books block, sold because it was yeah, a, yeah. a huge bestseller. Right. Big old book. Now, what yeah. would you say the most Spielberg famous one? Spielberg should really is? know, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, I don't. I don't like Jaws. Really? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sacrilege. What would you say the most famous tagline of all time is? Alien, probably. In space, no one can hear you scream. Is is pretty much at the top of that list. What's the What's the tagline from Cobra? Oh fuck! Uh, I know this. It's yeah. uh, crime is a disease. He's the cure. Sylvester Stallone's Cobra. Yeah. It's pretty badass. Here's a favorite of mine uh, from a super, super small, totally forgotten movie released in the late 80s starring my present neighbor, James Wilder, formerly of Melrose Place, the TV series, not the address. And yes, there is a Melrose Place in Los Angeles. Uh, Greg Gillen and I ate there just the other night. So true. So there. true. Was it filled with drama and intrigue? Fig and olive. No, it was filled, full of olive oil, literally. Uh, delicious. Um, the movie is, the James Wilder movie is Murder One. And the poster says, Murder One, and the rest are easy. It's kind of good. All right. I like that. I like that one. There's some wisdom in that. I like that one. Murder One. Any other any other Murder horror one. movies coming out for Halloween? Easy. 
Because you would Paranormal think, Activity three, oh, I've not seen. Fuck that. Oh uh, well, there we are. <laughs> I, I will. I totally agree with Matt. I will voice an have opinion. you seen? Have you seen one or two? I've seen both of them. I only saw. I've seen one. neither. And, you know, it's interesting. And you know, I was I was mentioning to you the other night in keeping with our Halloween horror story talk, but. I, I recently watched this past week Poltergeist 2, which I'd actually never seen in full. Right. Poltergeist 1 being an absolute, you know, unqualified classic, great horror film. Right. And Poltergeist 2 suffered from this, um, this disease that, uh, that even Sylvester Stallone can cure of, of horror movie sequels, ghost movies specifically, where when you go back to the well, you have to sort of feel like you have to explain the the ghost you have to yeah. you have to you know unpack it and poltergeist 2 is completely about that it's oh well there the reason that the house did this and that and, and the, the first original. one is that there was this thing underneath it and then this guy did that and that's why this happened it's like no one cares scare me and right. po- paranormal activity 2 is exactly the same mistake as poltergeist 2 which is that instead of put paranormal activity 1 which is a good movie it's simple okay. and it's spare and it's scary and how do you rate it compared to uh, the original Blair Witch Project, and can I, you dehype yourself on Blair Witch Project and enjoy it for what it was? Sure, yeah, yeah. Without I'd put it, I'd put it the... right at the level. With See, I'm in the minority on this. Like, I saw a, a press screening, I think, of Paranormal Activity one, and uh-huh. like, the, I saw it on the Paramount lot, and it was like a midnight show, and everyone was psyched, and people were screaming like there was someone fucking stabbing them somewhere. Really. It's a bedsheet moving. If that scares you that much, you might not want to leave your house. It's literally the <laughs> it dumbest. Depends on what's underneath. I've the never bed been sheet, more Matt. insulted by a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I, 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 that's one of my least favorite, probably ten films of all time. Paranormal Activity. Oh, really? I think I'm it was coming. a fuck you from the movie company. It's not a movie. It's, it's, it's. Uh oh, I hope we don't see a ghost. Cut to same exact shot we saw before of a ghost, and then it cuts back to the day. Uh oh, I hope we don't see a ghost again. Uh, and then it cuts back to the same exact fucking camera angle we see the ghost in every time. Yeah, but wow. that's the movie's a b it's, a, it's a b a b a b over. There was a gap. Wow. There was a gap in fiction that had to be filled by that movie. That movie has to exist. It is necessary because for the found footage when you thing, have when you have shows tv shows that have people actually claiming to be doing what this this film is you've got to make the movie that it's like no 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 this is the real shit and you've got it's it's silly and it's stupid but you know what it fucking is that thing but do you do you watch like ghost adventures have you ever no, seen any I can't of those because, are, because yeah, those they're just as fucking dumb ghosts I wouldn't be finding out about it on A and E. I would be reading about it on <laughs> oh, the yeah, front totally. page of the New York totally. Times. Totally, and someone someone coughs and they all drop their fucking equipment. They're like, "Oh my god, what was that?" Oh, they, they, I just they start to drop my equipment, dude. Hey, the guy yo. would be running around the room in circles right now. <laughs> and like it, they, every little, and that's what I felt like. Paranormal Should activity was. Should we all was. cough and drop our equipment right now? I'm, 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 <laughs> we're gonna scare the fuck out of a lot no, of weak people. At least paranormal, paranormal Activity One had the good taste to be sort of. You know, it didn't explain itself. It was a gag. It did the gag for 80 minutes, and then it was done. Yeah. Paranormal <laughs> Activity I mean, 2 though. is but the beginning like of, like, gagged. unpacking this, you know, well, why is, what well, is that the was, ghost thinking? That why was Blair Witch also. I didn't see it, but Blair Witch Book of Secrets was That's right. the right. feature, which was, like, actors. Directed by Joe Berlinger, who had done Paradise Lost. Yes, the Robin Hood. Mer- yeah, yeah, Robin Hood. That's right. Yeah. And Paradise Lost. And several did. great, great documentaries, yeah. Yeah. Um but that'll make a shitload of money, Paranormal Activity 3, right? Isn't that has, that hasn't, franchise? has that not replaced Saw as yeah. the, the Halloween perennial? Well, but this one is even, going back even further, this is it's a, a, du- a double prequel now, right? It's a prequel to, so it's, it's like footage, it takes place in the 80s. 
which is fascinating. Okay. Uh, and it's the footage of the little girl who becomes the grown-up in the first one who is the woman who's possessed. And don't we know from what we've seen so far that they're, they're uh, dramatizing Bloody Mary again? Yes. As was handled, I believe, in like Urban Legends... Three. Yes, that is the that that was the first teaser for Par- Paranormal Three. I'm not gonna go see it. Was a Bloody Mary thing with someone standing in front of a mirror saying yeah. Bloody Mary? Yeah, yeah. Which in and of itself is the Candyman. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, w- yeah. Thing. So they're basically. By Clive Barker. It took us three movies. Or for made them, popular. I'm sure that was based on a real urban legend. It took them three movies for them to be like, "This is Bloody Mary." By the way, that's what it sounds like they're doing almost. Like, yeah. well, now they're just outright doing other urban legends that. I right. think, you know, right. they could pull into it, pull into the paranormal activity. Right. Brand. And, and fold it all into the, to the uh-huh. same sort of, you know, kitchen sink catch all. Right. I, I'm not going to see it, but, but I'm not going to see it because. Kitchen sink catch all is also called a garbage disposal. <laughs> kitchen, yeah. Kitchen sink catch all is, is a, just saying. Is, a is a redundancy. Just saying. Um, you could just say kitchen sink. But yeah, just it's, say garbage disposal. It's, <laughs> but it's, it's because, it's because when you're, when you're trying to make something scary, you don't explain it. That's the whole. There's a lot to be trick. said for that. And it's like, and if if you if you are going out of your way to saying, well, this was an Indian burial ground, and that's why this happens, and that's why, well, congrats, then yeah. I, I get the trick. Go back to so, the thing. We have no idea what that fucking thing was. Right. The thing. No. Is what so they've suggested. What I've either or read or alien. heard I mean, is that God. um, is that we are going to learn uh in the prequel that. Uh, we're going to learn alongside the Norwegians in the prequel that the thing itself, that the thing as we saw manifested in John Carpenter's film, which was mostly a lot of spider legs and crab claws and dog heads and um, heads that open up into, you know, extraordinarily large sets of jaws full of uh, teeth was it that that is not the true form of the thing, that that itself is the, are bits and bits and bobs, as the British would say, of the creature on the spaceship that landed at the beginning of John, crash landed at the beginning of John Carpenter's movie that the Norwegians end up later discovering in Tomb and Ice, that, that the, the alien on that ship had that form. And so the the what we always any so fan of the nineteen eighty two hitchhiker movie, on this alien ship basic basically that on the alien ship that you see in the first moments of the Carpenter film was an alien pilot of sorts that had those forms that we associate with what the true thing looked like in the in the Carpenter movie. You see, see what I'm saying? Yeah, Does yeah, that yeah. make sense to you? Yeah. And basically, in a way, that's um. It'll be interesting to see, first of all, how they, you know, what the reality of this ends up being in the final movie as, as it's released. But more than that, that relates in a way to what we know about Prometheus, which is the sequel Ridley Scott is directing, written by Damon Lindelof, I believe, from mm-hmm. Team JJ. Um, the prequel that Ridley Scott is directing to his own masterpiece, Alien, which will be out next summer, where one thing we know for sure is that the so-called space jockey from Scott's original Alien, we see a whole race of space jockeys in this prequel, uh, and I don't know whether how tightly he's going to come up right against um, 
his original Alien movie, are we going to actually see the space jockey in the space jockey chair, you know, that ends up with, you know, a hole in his rib cage and a bunch of alien eggs inside or not. But it, it's it's all not dissimilar. And, the, and one interesting thing about so these me- similarities is, again, as was pointed out on this panel um, at the recent reunion screening, uh, the reason probably, I mean, the reason any movie gets made is, or the reasons that any movie gets made are usually complex and varied as the movies themselves. But the reason that uh, they put their foot on the ga- that Universal put their foot on the gas and actually made their remake of the thing was the success of Alien. Right. Which, as a as a little kid myself, I never put two and two together. I never, I never, it never occurred to me because you just took everything on its own terms, which was a poster and maybe a trailer. If you saw the trailer. It never occurred to me that, oh, the reason the thing got made and 19, shot in 1981 and released in 1982 was due to the success of Alien. And Universal decided, oh, we want one of those. Okay. And we, we already we own want, this Howard Hawks Alien. movie that we could easily remake. And let's hire John Carpenter, who's super hot off of Halloween in the Fog, to be the guy who reimagines the thing. So it's just interesting that both the thing and Alien which which led to the remake are both getting prequels that it, it is and that it's it, it's more even more interesting on the prometheus one that ridley scott's involved to me he's not not only is he involved he's directing the he's film he's directing right? yeah. It. yeah like if john carpenter had directed this it would have blown my mind i would be seeing it, i would be lined up yeah. right now yeah. Yeah. you know what i mean cuz we would a, not be here recording this podcast that's a vote, that's it's true. a testament of, of kind of faith you know what i'm saying that's true. ridley scott's like i'm not going to let just anyone touch this franchise or john carpenter or the the flip side of that coin would be John Carpenter saying, I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to the well is the expression in creative land of going back to a, a movie or a TV show he hasn't or done, type of music where you previously found success. He hasn't done too many sequels, has he, Carpenter? Or any that I could think of even. Well, I can think of one and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wait for you to think a little longer and see if you come to it. Alright. I, I'm not, I'm Greg not. Greg Yolen, jump in. Do you know, dude? John Carpenter's shittiest sequel. sequel. Or any sequel. Halloween 2. He didn't, he didn't do direct it. it. He was, he, he, I believe he either wrote or co-wrote again with Deborah Hill, uh, but they hired a director. And a lot of the department heads were the same. The cinematographer, the production designer, certainly oh, Carpenter I and Alan Howard know. scored Halloween 2. It's a little film called Escape from L.A. Oh, Escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. And that, I'll, 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 give, I'll give him that one. Though. Are you going to give him that one? No. No, probably. I'm not gonna give that one. I, I would like to, only because it's like there are like much worse well. movies I could put on, and I like the character. But yeah, I'll give you. I'll, yeah, yeah. Snake Plissken surfing down Wilshire Boulevard. He had to save the president, man. <laughs> you would surf down Wilshire Boulevard too if you had to save the president. I was kind of. I was with that movie for the first. It turned into Thunderdome. Fifteen minutes or so when he's in his little sub and shot across the San Fernando Sea, the flooded San Fernando Valley. Where he, where the sub bursts through the so-called black tower on the Universal lot, which is where all the executives who had treated treated Mr. Carpenter so badly on Prince of Darkness, They Live, and whatever the third movie was that he made in that three-picture deal. Anyway, Snake Plissken and his little nuclear-powered sub bursts through the black, the now sub, thoroughly submerged, empty black tower. In one side, out the end, and then one of the great white sharks, presumably liberated from its moorings at Universal Studios Hollywood theme park, 
attack sort of bites past the sub. Yeah, it's awesome. For the win. Come on, I want to watch that right now. I was, yeah. I was with it to that point, but uh, then I better, got off. It's better than hiding. Bruce Campbell is the Surgeon General of Beverly Hills. He is. All yeah. face lifted and shit. It's got its moments. Yeah. All right. It, so does, we, it has its moments. We won't Here's the most that. interesting thing about that movie. I saw that movie with a buddy of mine, Ryan Brookhart, at the old AMC Century 14. And you sit through it and you get to the end and he's got whatever it is, like a dat tape or something that has on it the, I can't the, the piece of information that will keep uh, the United States and China from launching nuclear Armageddon at each other. And he holds up the tape and he says, um, I'm not going to give the tape over to, I think, Cliff Robertson playing mm-hmm. the recently deceased mm-hmm. Cliff Robertson playing the president. In fact, what I'm going to do instead is, and at that moment in the auditorium at the old AMC Century 14, the movie stops showing cold. That's awesome. And the house lights faded up. And Ryan and I looked at each other and we're like, is that an act of genius? (laughs) (laughs) And you literally couldn't tell. It's like, oh my God, did they... Did they get away with that? There are no credits. That's the end. Oh my god! Oh my god! It took like two days to figure out. It, but that's not the ending of the movie. Uh, no. No, the fucking projection broke. Probably the film had broken, yeah. and, and the projector tripped. <laughs> you and thought then, they were just and like stopped get and out. The came and out. then the theater manager was like, "Well, I hope you enjoyed the very bold ending." I thought it was to Escape from L.A. But when Good you night. know, again with that franchise, Carpenter and Kurt Russell. I think co-wrote that screenplay, and they're definitely sort of old, you know, two old drinking buddies who have worked together a number of times. Escape from New York, The Thing, obviously. Uh, Big Trouble. Two old pessimists, probably, or certainly like, maybe not pessimists, but two old cynics. And you just thought, did these two guys who came together to finally, finally make the, you know, long gestating sequel to Escape from New York actually pull that off? No. Would that have made you, if that was real, would you have liked Genius. the film? It would have been Genius. the greatest movie ever made, right? It would have been amazing. <laughs> by the way, I haven't told this anecdote in about six days. No, just kidding. I don't know. You're like, I, did I tell A you guys time. my escape from New York story? No. Oh, that's awesome. So, speaking of Carpenter, what's he done recently? He did a movie called The Ward. Hey. Did it get theatrical? It did get theatrical, barely. Okay. I Any presume you haven't seen it. I have not seen it, but it started... If we had our friend Eric started, Odom here, he probably uh, would have Heard, seen it. I want to say. What's that? I think it started Amber Heard. I'm a fan okay. of hers. From Buffy? Is she from no, Buffy? No, she's the girl from Drive Angry and... Uh, the Playboy Club. Uh, the Playboy show that just got canceled. The recently canceled Playboy and, Club. And uh, Pineapple Express. What was the first Amber Heard movie? She was also in Zombieland. Oh, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, the That's Jonathan right. okay. Levine film, the horror movie. Which That's, is actually a horror movie, it's a horror despite movie. its title. And it came out, it got made, in a, it got made, never came out in America, right. went to England, did well, and then the, his second film, The Wackness, came out. So they re-released Mandy Lane in America. Interesting. Okay. So it had like a, f- among four years, it had two different release schedules. It was kind of weird. Wow. Just like Donnie Darko, kind of, sort bit, of. yeah. Which was re-released. That wider thing, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um... It's good though. We were on the ward. Amber Heard. Well, John John Carpenter. I'm just trying to think of what other because we're we're a week or t- we're a week from Halloween right now, and we just said Paranormal Activity and the Thing remake. That's it. Like, yeah. What happened to our heart? Well, saw or? so is the salt. Uh, again, you know, people will be so screaming at me. Is, is people who are better read than I am. 
The Saw franchise has been officially retired. Well, no. I don't. I don't think it's been officially retired. I think they're taking. I, they're I think taking a little break. They're taking a before break before the inevitable reboot. Exactly. Is this the first year in like six years they don't have one on yes, Halloween? Yes, I think so. They had one last year, and maybe Paranormal trounced it. I only saw the first two saws. Box office. Yeah. I only for this saw the first two saws. The number would blow my mind right now. They're at like six or something, right? Yeah. This would be saw seven. I think that's insane. And 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 I think that clearly what they're doing is taking a little time off, letting the instant nostalgia uh, percolate, and then it's just just going to be saw. And the the interesting thing with that franchise is totally right. It's not a villain that recurs. It's the th- theme of murders. Because didn't Jigsaw die in like the first one or something? I, I've never no, seen I've, any of them. I believe, uh, I'm certain that, again, Eric Odom, where are you? I'm certain that uh, Jigsaw died in one of the installments, but I'm equally certain that he was resurrected. Oh, okay. I so know the, for a fact Jigsaw It still is a Jigsaw movie then. Oh, okay, right on. Absolutely. Now, whether or not, and I know Jigsaw is played by that character actor whose name uh, I, I do not know. Tobin Bell. Right? That is correct. Good on you. And who speaks through the little mannequin on the tricycle? Puppet thing, yeah. Got it. Okay. That's pretty much a movie. Did you see right. the first one? I have not seen a single uh, Saw installment, nor have I seen I have not either saw Hostel a single ins- scene. installment. The first one is genuinely great, in my opinion. It's um, it's it's such a simple concept. It's Carrie Elways and this other actor wake up in a room, handcuffed to a wall, Dead guy in the middle of the floor with a gun in his pocket. Boom. That's the entire movie. Wow. And I thought that was really, really kind of brilliant. I really right. love the first song. It's, it's a really subtle kind of simple horror conceit. Like Hitchcockian right. almost. Like right. wake up in a room tied to a wall. There's another dude tied to a wall. There's a gun in the middle of the room. You have to right. kill the other guy. Right. And then it turned into this fucking weird horror where there's roller coaster rides now at like Universal Studios and there's yeah. jigsaw puppets. So there's I don't, the saw maze. There was like two or three right, years ago at Universal right, right, Studios yeah. Hollywood. So I don't I don't know what happened. Maybe Universal Studios Hollywood will um will become a sponsor. They got to get their finger on the pulse. Do you know about that Halloween show they do every year? Up at the park? Yeah. Yeah, just like Not Scary Farm or the the Bill and Ted. No, the Bill and Ted show. Yes, which sends up. It's scary. It's epic movie or whatever. Yeah, with Bill and Ted sends up every all sort of the current pop culture. Yeah, it's I I saw it. Icons. I saw it this year, and it's literally it's Bill and Ted walk out. They're like, "What? It's Lindsay Lohan," and like a redhead walks on stage and does still a Lindsay Lohan joke. Oh, they're still like yeah, still mining that. Yeah, and like Snooky, Snooky and stuff. But it's this is their Halloween show. Right. It's it's literally it would be like if they made that um. Epic movie, like a Broadway, a Broadway version of Epic Movie or something. That's what which I hear is actually in development. I would, I'm down for that. (laughs) Scary movie, the Broadway musical. People are branching out. They're making a fifth one. They're making a fifth. Make room for Fanny. What's that? (laughs) They're making a fifth scary movie. I just read. Oof, I'm sure they are. I believe it. Franchise that has legs. I'll believe anything. (laughs) Those movies are um, actually. I think I saw the third scary movie, which was pretty good. And the first two are unspeakably bad. Um, What's the one with Chris Elliott and Tim Curry? That's second, two. Second I one. I thought that Funny. was brilliant. Uh, the first two were the Waynes Brothers. And or certain as Chris Elliott is spectacular in that with his little chicken wing hand. He is quite good. I know Zucker and Abrams did the last... Oh, right, no, they, they, did, did, they, they took over the three and four. And I, I was upset. From, I was excited from Team Wayans, right? From Sean Wayans. and Marlon, yeah. yeah. Right, right. It was, and uh, Keenan. Keenan's always... Did, is he, did have, I think he directed the first one actually. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Is that the how the hierarchy goes? Keenan rules the Where's roost. Kim in all this? Uh 
Kim Kardashian. Okay. Couldn't Kim Wayans. Kim Wayans. Couldn't tell you. Lil Kim Wayans. Couldn't tell you. No, not Lil Kim. Regular Kim. <laughs> Kim Wayans. See? Couldn't tell you. you a, In the uh, middle of our last webcast, we had Marlon Wayans call the house. Looking for Bill Condon, my partner. Looking for Bill. We should call him right now. And tell him that Marlon Wayans called Bill. and there's a voicemail waiting. No, we should call Marlon. There's a red light right blinking now. indicating a voicemail waiting. We oh, we should Mar- call Marlon back? We should call Marlon. Star 69. Our ear is burning. We were just talking about scary oh movies. Oh, my God. What a coincidence. Marlon, what, are you, what are you doing on the other end of the phone? We were just discussing <laughs> the sixth man. <laughs> How funny hilarious. you called. Again. Um, Would you consider the sixth man a horror movie? It involves a ghost. It does involve a ghost, but it, it, it's a horror movie like Ghost Dad is a horror movie. Which is a horror movie. To some people. Yeah. A real well, it's, horror movie. It's a, a, a reminder. Of what's what's the scariest movie you guys ever saw in theaters? How about that? Scariest? That genuinely scared the fuck out of you. And I don't get... Has there ever been a movie Well, the that, question is... The two questions are, what's the scariest film you've ever seen in a theater? And then, how old were you? Okay. I mean, literally, when was the last time you were actually capable of being scared in a movie theater? That's what I mean. Do you remember, the la- do you remember being genuinely scared in a movie theater? Uh, I don't remember being genuinely scared. I remember being mildly creeped out. What about you, dude? Have you ever been like, like, terrified by a movie before? A chorus line? No. Really? Never. Event Horizon got me in theaters. And I've heard a lot of people say, Stir of Echoes also, like, I get, I get scared sometimes. You know what's a good one in that vein? Um, Session 9. Really good, by actually. Brad Anderson. That's the, um, uh, it's directed the, the Machinist. Hospital, mental Hospital with the Carradine. Yeah, not Carradine. They're uh, basically, I I think they were like removing asbestos from a mental hospital, a real uh, spectacular mental hospital. I feel just outside of real, Boston yeah. that had recently closed that they just shot in. Uh, needless to say, there was almost there was little or no set dressing and. Unlike some of those shows like Ghost Hunters or whatever where, yeah, let's face it, they are going into sort of modern ruins, that movie delivers the goods. It's That's unnerving. A creep fest. Yeah, it's unnerving. That's that is like... a creep fest, Session 9. Good on you, Brad, An- uh, Brad Anderson. Yeah, I miss Please that. don't make another one. Yeah, I want, I want that in horror films. I want to be yeah. challenged like that and be genuinely disturbed. Not successful. It, it rarely happens. You know, you know what's been getting me more? I hate to even say it, but these, these stupid films of attrition. Like... Uh, Miki films or like Human Centipede or like Sallow. Oh, yeah. Or movies, films of attrition in terms of, my friend told me that term, they dare you to watch the movie. They're like, we're going to make something so fucked up Eric that we dare so you, you to watch wow. this movie. Okay. Those are the ones that disturb me the most, I find. And have you made your pilgrimage over to the New Art Theater to see Human Centipede 2? I've never seen one and I won't. Really? Yeah. Why not? I'll, fuck that. Because I don't need that. That's what I'm saying. Those are the kind of movies I know not to see. So you're already losing the... The they win. Oh, they totally win. I saw Audition. Do they pay you? Yeah, I wish. Did you see? <laughs> did you see the movie Audition by no. Takashi Miike? No. It, do you know what it is? I know what it is. I it's about it. a guy who wants to find a girlfriend, so he decides to hold a fake audition for a movie he's shooting. Right. Uh, to try to cast a girl, to cast his perfect girl. And really, and she. she who might- among us out here? In, in this area, <laughs> hasn't code. done that. Either. Hasn't done that. Well, well luckily, so true. Luckily, this doesn't happen to most of us. The girl he does cast winds up being like a sadistic murderer who tortures him and makes him eat vomit and like sticks wires through his entire body and like splays wow. him like a butterfly and shit. Uh-huh. Just vomit? Yeah, like a bowl, a dog food bowl full of vomit. And when that happened, I was like, I think I could turn this off and watch cartoons. And again, you lost. I did lose, but I feel like I and win. Then you got, I feel like I win somehow. 
But you were shocked like a week later when a check for seven fifty showed up in the mail from the distributor. From Takashi Amike. It was yeah. yen. It was yen though, unfortunately. Oh, you lost. <laughs> so I couldn't. I never did the translation rate. I'm either rich or I got You nothing. have brought a great shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the point. Of, like, that's are, my you, Takashi are you? Are you going to see Human Centipede too? Did you see the first? I have one? not seen the original Human Centipede. Um, would I watch it? Yes. Would I watch the sequel? Yes, I hear the sequel is incredibly meta. Did we talk about this on episode we one? We didn't talk about the sequel at all, yeah. Do you know the plot of the sequel? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, it's sort of a, a fan who is obsessed with the human centipede. Uh, tries to recreate the murders. Tries to recreate the murders. Yeah, but isn't, he's, he, he watches the, at some point, so someone told me, I read a bunch of, uh, Fantastic Fest reviews. Okay. They said the full credits, the, the full credits from Human Centipede 1 playing Human Centipede 2 like six times. Like, it is so really? meta, it gets nauseating. That's like, hilarious. They show you like 30 minutes of the original film in and the And even, even then, the runtime is still only 47 there, minutes. There wasn't much going on. Yeah, I, I, there's, a, there's a fine line between meta and self-jackoffery. Yeah. I mean, come <laughs> on. Oh, like, oh, uh, 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 one of the obsessive we fans... We prefer the term onanism. One of, one of the obsessive fans of Human Centipede Part 1, because as we know, there were so many people who were obsessed <laughs> and loved that oh, movie so I mean, read, so it, read an interview much. with this guy, Tom Blah. Six, though. He claims that he gets l- multiple letters a day from people who not only want to be in his next film, but are willing to actually eat human feces, and they'll send him videos of them eating shit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but he didn't you, invent shit eating. No, he didn't. No, that was the G- Romans G.G. Did. Allen. <laughs> who did? Who did? G.G. Allen. Or uh, you never Chuck s- Berry. You never saw that G.G. Allen thing? No. Do you know who G.G. Allen was? No. Uh, Todd Phillips. This is probably a good time for certain of you listeners to uh, go walk the dog I mean, or yeah, put yeah. that, put go, that uh, go eat some turkey poop. There's something in the, in the oven. oven that needs to be taken out. Um, yeah, Todd Phillips. By the way, wh- once you finish, I'm going to go into Chuck Berry, and it's going to end with my use of the word oven. Nice. All right. It's a good segue. Um uh, take me back to where – oh, G.G. Allen. Todd Phillips, uh, when he was at NYU Film School, this is the guy, Todd Phillips, for the – Directed The Hangover, The Hangover Hangover and Old School and all those yeah. – Classics all those movies. All. He started out as a documentary filmmaker, and there was this guy named G.G. Frat. Uh, frat uh, there was Hayes or it was Frat. There was Frat, frat something or other that was at Sundance. The there was Bitter, Bittersweet was. Motel he also did, which is the Fish documentary on the band Fish. Okay. And he did something called um, – G.G. Allen, I think it was called The Most Hated Man in America. There was this guy named G.G. Allen who was like a heavy metal rocker slash performance artist. And this is all on tape. Like, Kevin Smith told me about this, actually. I just watched this recently. And um, he died years ago of an overdose. Okay. But when he was around, he would perform completely naked. Like, tiny, tiny, tiny little dick hanging out always. Like, child-sized. What's a dick, a penis? Yeah, penis, yeah. (laughs) I didn't want to offend people. Um. Naked, for upper level males, but naked on stage, he would um like punch and like beat the shit out of his fans, and like one time the fans jumped the stage and broke his arm and all that. Wow! But his so that was every show he would just try to fight people. But his big act was uh I forget just put air quotes around that cockrophagia, I believe the term was where he would shit on stage and then eat his own feces in front of which the is crowd. either copra or copra. There you go, copraphagia, and would yeah. throw it into the audience too. By the way, copraphagia is the disease. And Greg Yolen is the cure. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was G.G. Allen, though. That was that was, and there's a documentary where it's this dude literally just shitting on stages, throwing it wow. at people, and like punching women in the face. Wow. He got arrested like 30 times. Like it's wow. it's horrific. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. terrific. Horrific. 
Oh, some it sounds terrific. Might, some people, his brother had a Hitler Horrific. If you watch his doc, there's his brother named Merle, and he's got of he's a bald guy with the longest Hitler mustache you've ever seen in your life. It goes wow. down below his mouth. It's kind of awesome. Wow. I'm a Jew, so I'm allowed to say that. Um, <laughs> I'm allowed to talk about Hitler's mustache. When I lived in suburban St. Louis back in the uh, late 80s, uh, there was a buddy of mine who worked at a dubbing facility in town there. And uh, one sunny Thursday afternoon... It's funny because Matt's totally nodding along as I've if he's already heard the story. I've heard a Chuck Berry shit story. Did you hear about the FBI tape? No, but I, I know for a fact that I've heard something involving Chuck for Berry sure. with weird shit. Yeah. So um, an FBI agent comes through the front door holding a good old VHS tape, and they need 50 copies. So I think maybe I – don't, I don't think any nondisclosure agreement was signed. I think they literally said we need 50 copies – We'll be back for them in, how long will it take you? Two hours? Okay, we'll be back in two hours. Don't watch it. <laughs> so after they loaded up about a hundred decks <laughs> with blank VHS tape, they pushed play and it was, it was some sort of not completely unprofessional seeming tape that the FBI had made collecting all the, um, all the anecdotal evidence, and and I think if memory serves, there were maybe actual agents talking on tape about certain things that have been confiscated from uh, Chuck Berry's luggage as he was attempting to re-enter the country with, say, a few souvenirs that he'd brought in with him from his travels, which were, shall we say, disagreeably uh, soiled with evidence of recent use. And um, the one... The one line of dialogue that I remember uh, so clearly was one of Mr. Barry's um, wives or girlfriends saying that, I can't remember the beginning of it, but I remember the end very clearly. It was something to the effect of, Chuck liked it hot and fresh right out of the oven, <laughs> just the way I make it. For the win. Ugh. Yeah. A guy's got to have hobbies. I guess so, right? He got in a lot of trouble. You remember he had at least one restaurant, if not a few restaurants, out uh, in middle America, maybe around uh, Missouri, which is which is where his estate was and is. Is he still with us? No. He is. is Chuck Berry still alive? He is alive. Wow. Um, uh, he had a series of... He had a few restaurants, and there were... Uh, there were some holes that had been well. He had a, he had his own amusement park. Ceiling. He had a, there was the a, a berry land, I believe it was called. He opened his own theme park, right? And they shut it down because he had installed uh, surveillance in the women's bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. He went really, really. That that's like really elaborate to see naked. Like create a theme park. <laughs> like you almost have to give him credit for that. That's like yeah, totally. millions of dollars in investment and like years planning yeah. and getting the permit rights just yeah. to look at chicks pee. Yeah. Like that that's taking perversion to like a professional level. Yeah. And what was it called? Some ver some variation of not not 
Berry not Berry Farm. Farm. <laughs> well, I, I mean, listen, Chuck Berry invented rock and roll. He sure did, and uh, but without Chuck Berry, there would too, be no Back to the Future. But uh, but Chuck Berry's only number one hit. Do we know this? No. Is my dingling? Was it really? The only time that guy ever got a number one hit. The guy who, like, fucking wrote Roll Over Beethoven. Right. I mean, his number one hit is My Ding-A-Ling, My Ding-A-Ling. In key. And that's the one he was most proud of, too, after after hearing more hey, about yo. the gentleman's life. Yeah. It's, there, there's something. There's you know, something. there was a movie called Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, directed by Taylor Hackford, who directed An Officer and, the, and a Gentleman. And, yep. and Ray. And Ray, and uh, is married to Helen Mirren, uh, which was made in the late 80s. And Chuck Berry was no spring chicken when they shot that at the, the no, uh, fabulous Fox Theater in, in downtown St. Louis. How old is he? He's, he's I mean, he's up 300 years he's old. Three, he's a vampire. I'm going to um, look it up. Well, in Keith Richards' autobiography, he talks about uh, uh, shooting that. And being a part shooting of that, that doc, yeah, being a part of that show, hell, hell, rock was, and roll, exactly, because it was like a documentary, and then it was a a concert film, and the stories about Chuck Berry are just, you know, he's a he's a miserable guy. He he is cheap as shit. He never pays for backing bands. He takes, you know, he'll only take money in cash, and right. literally will pay, play with the worst people in town just to uh, just to save a dime. Right. Um. He is, according to Google, the best guess. I love how that's phrased. Best <laughs> guess for Chuck Berry age is 84 years old. He was born on October 18, 1926. Maybe? It says best guess. It says so best you, you guess think. mentioned on at least five websites. Possibly 175. Wikipedia.org, deadoralifeinfo.com, and thirdage.com. How depressing. Now, I'm just imagining that Dead or Alive is a website for people. That you don't want to end up yeah. on. Yeah. You know, when you get yeah. to that point. I don't know. I'd rather be on deadoralive.com than dead.com. That's true. Definitely dead.com. <laughs> well, Dead or Alive Info, which I presume is different from Dead or Alive, which is probably dedicated to that band from the 80s with their big single, Brand New Lover, sung by uh, the lead singer who is now a woman. Obviously. And, the, and at and, the time was a man. And the site gets thousands of hits a day. Probably. People love that yeah. song. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite horror movie? All time, wow. Let's just and let's leave The Exorcist off the table as the most obvious answer, the answer that most people give, the answer that most directors give most of the time, the answer that most horror bloggers give most of the time is The Exorcist. So let's just leave that in a class by itself. And tough one. I might go with The Shining. Even though even though The Shining isn't the scariest and it's not a, a horror film in uh in the strictest sense, it is the it is the film that I'm my my criterion for judging it is it's the one I always watch when the season comes around. Like I always that's put on the shining. And that's by the way, that is a great criteria. That that's actually a better way to phrase the question. What is the one or two or three? What are those movies that you just have to watch every fall if you totally. actually live in a part of the country or a part of the world that d- actually experiences autumn? Which I Unlike don't know us. what that would be like. Well, it's definitely Where it's 92 the degrees. Me, and the other one for me is uh, is the uninvited, the original. 
I'm sorry, no, no, no. Well, The Uninvited is a terrific movie, but I just, I always do. I confused it with the original Haunting, the Robert Wise film, The Haunting. Right. Which is black and white, and what I love about that film is the entire thing is just sound. It's really? just you're in a room and you're hearing things, creaks and pounding from other rooms. Um, that sounds sexual. It's just ghosts. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's horrifying. It really is. And it's, it's a classic. Um, I love that one. How do you feel about the not so recent, uh, remake? Oh, that was, um, that was unspeakable. That was terrible. Unspeakable. Yeah, was, Starring yeah. Liam Neeson and Catherine well, and, Jones. And again, and, and the same thing. Directed by Jan de Bon. Too much, directed too much exposition, too much special effects, too much scene, and not enough uh, kept off screen. Right. You know? Right. The word obscene comes from uh, the Greek, obscena, off stage. What's up, Why? Team Jack? All right, all right. Yeah. What you is up, Team Jack? And we hope that you'll is subscribe. That is, that is something <laughs> and we hope that, you'll call in with your support. You are, that you are frightened by, that you, that's unspeakable, is something that you're not supposed to see. So if you're showing all that shit, you're ruining it. What up? Wow, dude. All right. If I wasn't, if I wasn't so curious in what your answer to that question would be, that's, we would end it no, right now. No, it's I mean, because that's about... I think we should. Out, my, and my, we will not end it, though. Yeah, because I want to hear yours, but my, my answers are cheesy because I can't... I mean... I would go Jaws, but it's not a traditional horror film. It's scary. Though. It's not a supernatural film no. in that, although you could say that a 25 foot great white shark is itself not quite natural. Totally. It's supernatural, <laughs> but, but it isn't. It's not, it has nothing to do with. That might be my favorite scary movie ever made, but my favorite horror film would probably be, uh, the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. By I'm a, I'm John a, Carpenter. Yeah, I'm an OG Halloween fan. Like the whole beginning is like the 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 sequence with the clown mask and the POV stuff is like. Have you ever been to that house? I haven't actually. South Pasadena, brother. Is it really? It's okay. still there. It's a chiropractor's tour. office now. But yeah, I was never I was never a big Freddy guy. I was never a big Jason guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Me that, neither. Mike, my, my Halloween was the one franchise that kind of had me. Halloween. Yeah, yeah. You were you were neither into Freddy nor Jason, but you were into to be very specific, the shape. Yes, absolutely. Which is how he was referred yeah, to in the original Halloween before he shade. sort of yeah. became Michael Myers. Or as I like to call him, Scary Shatner. The interesting connection there is that, in a way, the shape in the original Halloween is the shark from Jaws. In the, it's yeah. completely unstoppable due to sort of as Donald, as a Donald Pleasance, Donald Pleasance's doctor character uh, alludes to. He, you know, he's... He's more than just a man. He's sort of ultimate evil, and as as such, he's going to get up off that wet lawn even after you've shot him off the balcony, right? And it's in the same in the sense that with Bruce or whatever the shark and Jaws, we want to call him, was it was just unstoppable killing machine. No yeah. motive, no real. Totally. I mean, sure, there's the strode shit and the baby stuff, but he just wanted to fucking kill people. Totally. Yeah, yeah. As do we all. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, the original house from the, the original so-called Myers house from the beginning of Halloween, it has actually been restored, moved down the street, and it's right by the, like literally, a literal stone's throw, and with someone with an average arm from the uh, light rail tracks that run right through South Pasadena, as is the hardware st- uh, store where he, where the Michael Myers character buys his, buys the, the William Shatner yeah, yeah. Don Post mask. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, a lot of those, all, Halloween was shot almost entirely out in, in and around Pasadena, but most, mostly South Pasadena, with the big exception being the, the actual, um, 
house that Jamie Lee Curtis's babysitter character has to babysit at, as w- which is right across the street from the house that the PJ Souls babysitter character has to babysit at is is right over right down here on I think Orange Grove. Oh, really? Like right, Dude, literally right in West Hollywood. You know where the should, um, yeah, yeah. You know where the KFC is on yeah, Sunset? Yeah, totally. I should go check it out. I'm not kidding. And you remember there was a blockbuster right yeah, next yeah, to KFC absolutely. that's now shuttered, like yeah. most blockbusters. If you drive up, go to KFC and drive up that street north of Sunset, and maybe three houses up on the right hand side. If you're driving toward the hill, underneath an unbelievably dense leafy canopy that enabled that's them awesome. then yeah. and would enable to them just as easily like now to town. cheat. Um, Smith Smith's Grove, Illinois. Yeah. Or, um, the Jamie Lee Curtis house is on the right. It's still incredibly recognizable. The PJ Soul House, Soul's house is not just not directly across the street, but just a little diagonal across the street. And they've since remodeled and added a big, ungainly garage to it. So that's still, a little less yeah, recognizable, yeah, yeah. but it's still right there. And just to finish that up, here's the trippy thing. If you go one block east and south of Sunset on, I think, Genesee, on the east side of the street is the um, is Nancy's house from all those Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a trip, dude. All, With the all Johnny Depp's house Ohio right across the street of, from that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. Like literally, one, respectively, one block north and not even one block north and not even one block south of Sunset Boulevard. That's awesome. Just, just east of and, yeah. Fairfax. Very yeah, it's crazy. Man. What about you, dude? All yeah, time. What's your, what's your favorite, Jack? Uh, one of my favorites that I always need to watch in October is um, Exorcist 3. <laughs> Actually directed by William Peter Blatty, who wrote the novel on, and produced the original Exorcist movie. I don't know that, that he had anything to do with Exorcist 2, which is a famously a famous turkey of a sequel. But he came back for Exorcist 3 which is based on a novel that he wrote called Legion. Have you seen it? Uh, I have not seen it. Dude, I'm telling you, there are many, many of us out there. Mike Doherty, who directed Trick or Teat. Uh, my friend Chris Hogue, who's a composer. Ryan Brookhart, again, who's already been mentioned. Like, worship at the altar of Exorcist 3. I'm telling you, I'm telling both you guys okay, right okay. now. Okay, okay, I'm, at Netflix. I'm putting it on 3. right now on my Netflix. You were watching so Netflix. good. Which, by the way, contains a, f- a sort of... Among uh, horror movie aficionados contains a very famous set piece uh, that will probably, if you guys haven't seen it or heard about it, do not Google it. Just watch it cold. You will jump. And right. it's awesome. But it's got it's got incredible uh, atmosphere, Georgetown, shot back in Georgetown. Sort of, you can't say that it picks up where the original Exorcist left off, but it's it's... You know, the Father Karras character definitely figures again. Um, Do you have to have seen The Heretic? You should not have ever seen The Heretic. Okay, good. But you should. If I was doing it, I'd watch The Exorcist. And by the way, I do prefer uh, the director's cut that came out of, I don't know, 10 years ago now. I do prefer that version. Uh, You watch The Exorcist and then watch Exorcist 3 immediately. It is incredible. Really, 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 really good. And in some ways, I actually rated a little higher than The Exorcist. No shit. Yeah, dude, that's, I'm a, that's you, a challenge. That's everybody out there. But again, don't yeah. Google. Go in cold. Just watch check it, it yeah. out, and then type Exorcist three into Google, and you will see the cult <laughs> around this movie just on websites. Uh, 
Condon. I've been Condon loves that movie. Looking to join a cult, so this is perfect for me. <laughs> I, I just found my Friday night plans. We're all set. Yeah, this Exorcist is good. Three for the win. Um, this has been the Halloween show, episode three <laughs> of Team Jack. <laughs> Uh, at smodcast.com. Search under film and TV up at iTunes for Team Jack. Uh, or just get us right from the front page at smodcast.com. Look for the little Kyle Cummings artwork of, uh, a little cutesy, cutesy emperor surrounded by all of his, all of his retro shit. obsessions. Most of, most of which have blood dripping off of them. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, kids. See you next time. Bye. This has been a production of Smodcast Internet Radio.